Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. We got a good one lined up for you guys today. Lucas is back, and him and I are going to sit down and talk about the 1996 horror classic Scream, which just celebrated its 25th anniversary, and there's a brand new movie coming out on January the 14th. So, hey, what better time to talk about Scream than right now? So, after the guitar riff in the trailer, we give you Scream. Not scared, are you? Someone has taken their love of fear one step too far. Uh, we know you're not the killer. Solving this mystery... Everybody's a suspect! ...is going to be murder. Who are you? The question is, where am I? We all go a little mad sometimes. Scream, the new thriller from Wes Craven, rated R. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. My name is Russ and after a week off, Lucas is back with us today. Lucas, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, you know, hopefully for a while I won't uh, take too many more vacations, you know, um, like the President of the United States with how many I've taken. <laughs> well, I know my co-host last week, Jack, uh, after we got done recording, just takes his headphones off and he looks at me and goes, hey, you tell Lucas that's how it's fucking done. And he just walks off, goes to bed. Doesn't Man. say anything afterward. Did he, like, uh, take a microphone and twirl it like a gun and, like, shove it into his, his uh, waistband? No, dude, these things are pretty expensive. I actually take very, very good care of these, and I don't want them. kind of treat them like those Fabergé eggs. Oh, yeah. It's just like, hey, man, handle these things with care. <laughs> I don't want to spend another $90 on these. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit in our uh, in our lives. Well, I, it's not so much the money. It's just the fact that, like, that's $90 that could have easily been prevented from being spent again on these. So That's true, and apparently I'm a cheap ass. Yeah, that also is a fun fact that uh, will not be in the notes for our episode today. And speaking <laughs> of today's episode, we're going to do Scream. From 1996, not the brand new one. We haven't, we don't have that kind of stroke to go see the new one yet. But uh, we're doing the 1996 one, which Very just nice. celebrated its 25 year anniversary back in December. Gosh, you know, I, I, I think I was nine years old when this came out, so I'm feeling kind of old now, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't seem like this was 25 years ago. Yeah, to give you an idea of the age gap, I was a teenager. I think I was 16. When this came out, and I got to see this in the movie theater. When did you get to see this for the first time? Uh, I'm pretty sure I actually saw it in a theater as well. Really? Yeah. My parents didn't give a shit if a movie was rated R. Well, it sounds like it, because I know, I I don't know if I've shown my son this movie, but I would kind of be a little leery about showing just simply off the opening sequence. Well, I mean... You're also a much more dedicated, better parent than my drunk, drug-induced parents were. I don't know what the word I was looking for there, but I fucked it up. Okay, well, I think I think we get the general gist of it. So you've seen this in the movie theater as well? I did. Awesome. Uh, so did I. Uh, as a matter of fact, when this movie came out, I didn't really have a desire to go see it. I just, I'm not a huge horror movie fan. I mean, I enjoy the slasher flicks. And there's an occasional one I, I really like, but I'm not a huge fan of the like. There's not a lot of movies in the genre that are like, oh fuck, I gotta go see that opening day. If I happen to catch them on TV, awesome. I've made quite a few awesome discoveries that way. 
but I don't go actively seek him out in the movie theater. And my buddy Jeff, who I've mentioned a time or two on this show, uh, him and his girlfriend went and seen this movie, and the projector took a shit. So the theater gave everybody free passes to come see it again. Well, him and his girlfriend got into an argument. She decided not to go with him, so he calls me and says, Hey, man, I got a free movie ticket. You want to go see Scream tonight? And I'm never one to turn down anything free. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I, one of our uh, life credos is, fuck it if it's free. Or she actually says she'll never turn down free food. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, well, I mean, why would you? Yeah, so I, I went and seen it in the movie theater, came away pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, became a huge fan of it. Uh, even after that, when the new ones came out, I was usually there to see them opening weekend, so. I'm sorry that you had to go see the sequels to this. Uh, they did, how many, they've done, the new one that's coming out this upcoming Friday, we're recording this on a Sunday night, the new one comes out this Friday, that'll be the fourth sequel to this. Yeah, I, actually, I think there wouldn't. Didn't I read there was an MTV like made for TV one? They did Does a, count? a. I think they did a TV show. Okay. But uh, yeah, I I actually liked two. I thought two was pretty good. Not as good as the first one, obviously, but I, I liked two. Three was kind of like I don't even remember three at all. So that pretty much tells you what I thought of that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, four, I know, I seen it in the movie theater opening weekend. Thought it fucking stunk. Well, uh, that's the one where they, they kind of, they do a reboot kind of like what they're doing with this new one where they have, uh, a younger cast. I know, um, Emma Roberts is in it. I know they brought back, uh, Nev Campbell and, uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. Yeah. And then I, they, just, I don't, I don't know if I've seen when you said scream four, I don't think I've seen that one. No, you're not missing much. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think it's on. On one of the streaming sites, but you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my time with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean the first one's awesome. Um, so I mean, like, what what appeals to you about the the original Scream? I mean, what makes it such so beloved? Twenty five years later, in your eyes, uh, I think it really, you know, the the phone call at the beginning scared the ever loving shit out of me because you know I was way too young to watch this movie Mm -hmm. but you know just the thought of somebody terrorizing you outside your house Mm -hmm. um and actually i have a fact about it coming up in our research corner um but i think it being so self-aware and kind of you know repeating all of the former slasher films that it references in this Mm. and just kind of following that that model kind of being self-aware I think really is what makes this movie so great yeah that's kind of what it is for me too that just all the like the little uh it it really shows how much like Kevin Williamson loved the slasher genre because like there's a lot of references to like at least some of my favorite horror movies like obviously Kevin Williamson loves Halloween because there's so many references to Halloween this movie, mm-hmm. I mean, from Billy Loomis's name is Loomis. The McKenzies are mentioned in this, and then of course, the uh, the very famous uh, party at Stu's house. They're watching the original Halloween, right? And plus, you you catch like, and you know, they make the, the rules about the slasher flick, and it's kind of self aware. I, I mean, I just watched this last night. I mean, just because 
those movies have aged really well. I mean, they're still really good. I mean, you can, I mean, gosh, Halloween came out, what, 78? Still works just as well today as it did when it first came out. Same with like Elm Street and the Jason stuff. And I think because those movies work so well and Scream pays homage to them, that's why Scream works so well too, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, good. We're already off on right foot, man. <laughs> Fuck you. Your opinion's stupid. Um, that would I, make for a really awkward podcast, by the way. It would. Just us bitching at each other for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured we'd go ahead and jump into the categories because when I was doing the research for this movie, uh, the William Somerset Research Corner, like I seriously felt like Morgan Freeman in Seven. Like, I probably should have spent, like, three days inside of a library just researching the shit out of this movie because there's so much to dig into. There really is, yeah. When when you told me that and I I started to do the research, yeah, it was just pages and pages. Yeah, I found so many oral histories, like, written. I know uh, the Ringer uh, website, they do. They have a podcast network. I'm big fans of their stuff. They... They had an oral history that they wrote. They even had a podcast that they did talking about the movie. Uh, I've seen one from, like, The Hollywood Reporter, all kinds of stuff to dig into. So, I mean, we're just basically touching the tip of the iceberg with this. So, I mean, we might have to do, like, a Scream Part 2 just to cover all the rest of the fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do one as just a, just a research corner and then the rest of the categories on the other one. Right, yeah. So, I mean, like, if you uh, guys and gals are fans of this, uh, check it out. There's a ton of stuff out there to read up on the movie. And, like, I, we're only going to cover, like, a few things here or there because we don't want to bore you guys too much. We're only, you know, we only run, like, an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So, I'm sure you guys can, like, take us for so long before you get sick of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, first off, to tail the tape, this movie was released on December the 20th, 1996. This stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, former WCW world champion David Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Oh, what a fun fact. Uh, Skeet Ulrich, which I don't know if that's an awesome name or a name that he immediately regrets. But when I think of Skeet, that is not what I think of. No, it's not the first thing I think of either. I think of Chappelle's show where he's like doing that, ah, oh, Skeet, 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 Skeet. <laughs> Isn't that a rap song, too? Uh, it, it's in a rap song, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm glad that you were there to get my back on that. <laughs> uh, Matthew Lillard is also in this. Rose McGowan, Jamie Kennedy, and Drew Barrymore. Uh, directed by Wes Craven. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 79% from critics and 79% from audiences. Made $173 million on a $13 million budget. It's quite a chunk of change in return. It is, which uh, when I was thinking about that, it reminded me of the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation episode we did a couple weeks ago with a budget for that in 1989 was $25 million for a comedy. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy for 1989. And then you got a horror movie that's almost 10 years later, and mm-hmm. it's like almost half. Right. Um, it didn't win any like Oscars. I'm sure it probably won a shit ton of MTV Movie Awards when – that used to be a thing that was cool to watch. Yeah. Fucking MTV awards in general suck now. Because MTV sucks. I'm it just going to, I'm throwing it, I'm throwing it out there. I don't know if that's a hot take, but MTV fucking sucks. Sorry, Viacom. You guys got a trash product. Yeah. 
And uh, you can stream Scream on the cock. <laughs> also on Peacock, but if you want to be on the cock while you're watching it, go for it. Well, you know, I've called the Peacock the cock before. I've, I've referenced that. Oh, I know. But I had to I had to piggyback off that joke a little bit. Because <laughs> you know I'm not funny, so I have to piggyback off of oh, jokes. Oh, now, Lucas, you just stop it right there. You are a barrel of laughs. <laughs> yeah, laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> Oh, I did say that other people laughed at your stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, the William Somerset Research Corner, like I said, uh, tons and tons of stuff to uh, dig into with this. We just kind of cherry-pick some of the good stuff. But, yeah, you read up if you're interested in this movie. Tons and tons of shit to read about. Uh, this movie was originally called Scary Movie, but uh, Bob and Harvey Weinstein, the pieces... Well, I don't know about Bob. Bob has never been... Keys, but Harvey Weinstein, professional piece of shit. Do not like the man at all. Um, I believe that's on his business card, his professional piece of shit. Yeah, I think it is. Well, he doesn't have a business card unless he's got one in jail, which is where he belongs. Yes. Uh, they ran uh, Merrimack Studios for a while, and they told Wes Craven and the producers they wanted the movie title changed. So, I guess Michael Jackson's song Scream, the song he did with his sister, was out around mm-hmm. this time, and I guess... Harvey listened to it so much that he wanted them to change the name of Scary Movie to Scream. That's an odd reason to change the title of a movie. Right. Well, uh, fun fact later on, uh, there was a series of parody movies that spoofed the Scream series and the other teen horror movies uh, called Scary Movie, which was put out by Miramax. I think it was Dimension, but Dimension and Miramax were under the same umbrella. Yeah, I think, actually, this movie was released by Dimension as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, I, I get them confused all the time because they're pretty much, like, even the way that they come up seems to be kind of similar. Yeah, like, I'm the, sure they're hand in hand. Um, Wes Craven was the original choice uh, to direct this from the Weinsteins, but uh, because I guess he felt, or they felt that he could do the horror and comedy aspect better than other directors, but Wes Craven turned it down multiple times, <laughs> and... I thought this was uh, very interesting, but uh, they like, they went to George Romero, Robert Rodriguez, Danny Boyle, and Sam Raimi to direct this, and they all turned it down. Interesting. They must not have liked the script or something. I don't know. I don't know. I would have been curious to see Sam Raimi and George Romero's versions of Scream. I think Sam but- Raimi's could have worked. George Romero's would have been interesting. Probably a lot more violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Craven eventually took the uh, job after he found out Drew Barrymore had signed on. Hmm. Must really like, must really have a thing for Drew Barrymore, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of made, it made, you know, like, okay, this is real. They've got like Drew Barrymore had become like an A-list star again around this time too. So I guess if she was involved in it, then yeah, it's like, okay, they're serious. Like this must be pretty good. I'll go ahead and take it. Which is kind of crazy because they kill her pretty quick. <laughs> That's actually uh, my next fun fact I was getting into. Uh, Drew Barrymore was the original choice to play Sidney Prescott. But uh, I was reading uh, in an interview with the YouTube show Hot Ones. Isn't that the, the show where they eat the, the hot wings? 
Yeah, and actually, fun fact for you, I have almost all of those sauces in my refrigerator right now. I didn't even know that was a thing until it is, I... and they're hot as fuck. Oh, are they? <laughs> Some of them. All right. Well, good to know. I'll have to text you later on because uh, I don't do hot sauces that well. I don't. I can't. Yeah. I can't eat anything where it's like it feels like my jaws are gonna melt off. <laughs> it. You, if your lips don't swell up, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> well, I've. According to this interview, she says one of her biggest pet peeves in horror movies is when the lead keeps slugging along, but eventually ekes out and makes it at the end of the movie. So she suggested playing the Casey Becker role, which is the role of the girl from the beginning, and which I actually it works out really well for this movie too. I think it does too, because when you see Drew Barrymore, you're like, oh, she's not going to die. Right, yeah, because uh, they hadn't done that often at – that, well, I talked about earlier, the uh, the references and, like, you could tell Kevin Williamson loved horror movies. This is an obvious homage to Psycho because Janet Lee was a pretty big movie star mm-hmm. at the time, and she gets killed off about halfway through Psycho. And you don't expect yeah. that either. Which, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect it. That whole movie's fucked up mm-hmm. in a good way. It's a good movie, but it's fucked up. Yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> which is funny, like in today's society, you couldn't get away with something like that where you kill off the biggest star without it getting spoiled. Yeah, because everybody would immediately tweet out about it or put the video on TikTok of it happening and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also reading that uh, apparently Wes Craven, to get Drew Barrymore into like just get her to start crying, he used to tell her stories of animal abuse because Drew Barrymore is a huge animal rights activist, and it would get her extremely upset. And then when she starts crying, he says, you know, roll camera, and then, like, they start filming her. <laughs> well, I guess whatever works, but, man, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess she also filmed her scenes, and, like, it only took her five days to film all of her stuff. Uh, I mean, I imagine she's probably a good actress. I, I like Drew Barrymore. I do, too. She's a little on the, the different side. But, you know. She is quirky. She is. That's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Winkler, who plays Principal Henry, asked not to be billed in the credits as to not take attention away from his younger, up-and-coming co-stars, which I found to be very weird because at a time, Henry Winkler was probably one of the biggest stars in the world when he was on Happy Days because the Fonz is an iconic pop culture. He's an, I- an icon from the 70s. Right. But let's be real, like, Henry Winkler wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire in 96. <laughs> I just I just find oh. that so hilarious that he didn't want to take any of the shine from his co-stars. Like, I mean, fuck, Nev Campbell was in a pretty popular TV show. I think she was on Party of Five at this time. I think so, yeah. And then uh, Jennifer, uh, not Jennifer Anderson, but Courtney Cox was on Friends, which I don't think had quite blown up to the level that it eventually gets to, but I think it's still a pretty popular show. Like, in my demographic, like, I only know of Henry Winkler because my grandparents used to watch Happy Days rerun. So I knew that was the Fonz, but I'd say 90% of the audience that was seeing Scream had no idea who he fucking was. <laughs> that man walks in the room fucking dick swinging everywhere like, hey, <laughs> I'm here. And everybody's like, oh, cool. Yeah, He's that's here. <laughs> that is a massive flex on his part. And, like, I don't see how that works. It's just like, it's okay, like dude. I- you don't want to be on the credits. That's cool, man. But you know, you're not, you're not really <laughs> taken away from anybody. 
It's like when I walk into the room, it was like, hey, Lucas is here. I'm like, yeah, you goddamn right. And everybody's like, what's his deal? Yeah, like, who's this fucking guy? <laughs> uh, the movie had to go numerous cuts to avoid an NC-17 rating. It was reported it was submitted to the MPAA nine times before it finally got an R rating. I wonder, maybe more, was there more sex in it or something? No, it, it had to do with all the violence, like, no, no, the scene where uh, Casey Becker's hanging from the tree. That's supposed to be a lot more graphic. You're supposed to see, like, they're supposed to have, I guess, show, like, more of, like, her guts just spilled out all over. Like, coming huh. out of her, you know, her sweater all over the ground, stuff like that. I'm sure it was supposed to be a lot more grisly. And I guess Harvey Weinstein finally had to step in to help get it an R rating. The movie, you know, watching it, I don't know if it's just because we're desensitized at this point anyway, but... Even for 96, 96? 96. Doesn't seem that really overly graphically violent. Well, I, when you see the finished product, I mean, you only get to see, like, quick glimpses of, like, how gory it got. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, still, though, if you got, like, and I guess from what I read, the script was, like, pretty graphic when they would describe, like, how people were killed. Hmm. So... I w- I wonder if they would ever consider putting out an NC-17 version of this, or like an unrated version of this. You know, I think if they would have done it, they would have done it already because they just released this in 4K for the 25th anniversary, which uh, I upgraded my uh, digital version of 4K, and I really didn't notice a huge difference. Oh, really? Yeah, but I figured they would have had something along those lines if they are going to do like an uncut version or an unrated version or something like that. Yeah, you're probably right. So yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't see it, see it happening. But it might have been with stuff too that, like, I mean, it still works within the context, and I don't think it's going to be one of those things where people are going to run out and spend a shit ton of money on an unrated scream release. So it might be like it's not going to be the money to put into. It's not going to be worth the return. Yeah, that's true. I never think about money. Yeah. Neither do I. That's why I, I'm i doing a low-rent podcast with my, one of my best friends. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't have any money to think of, so yeah. that's why I don't think about money. I, I guess apparently Wes Craven had told uh, – I, you know, I was mistaken. It's Bob Weinstein that went and got them the R rating. It wasn't Harvey. Harvey was probably being a piece of shit. Um, I guess Craven had went to Bob and said, hey, have them look at this movie – as more of a comedy than a horror movie. And I guess it, it helped change the perspective on how they, they ended up rating it. Was They looked at it more as like a black comedy than they did a horror movie. Hmm. <clears throat> I guess that makes sense. It's easier for a, like a rated R comedy than, I guess, a rated R horror movie. Right. Um, the last one that I have, uh, this movie came out in December, which we discussed earlier, which is uh, usually a time when you don't see a lot of horror movies come out. It's usually... Well, now it's usually uh, Disney's putting out a Marvel or a Star Wars movie. But at the time, you've seen a lot of family movies come out, not really a lot of horror stuff. And this movie, opening weekend, finished in fourth place. I think it made, yeah, $6.4 million. And they considered it a flop, but each week it kept gaining momentum. It either gained more money than it made the week before or it holds steady, and it ends up working its way to, like, the $100 million box office return at the end. Any idea what it came out and competed against at the time? Do you know off your off the head? 
96? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I will look it up while you go into your fun facts. All right. Um, so as I was telling you earlier, the, the opening scene that terrified me, you know, the killer calls from a cell phone outside the house. And uh, after this movie, caller ID usage went up. Uh, it tripled after this movie came out mm-hmm. because people were so terrified of, you know, that potentially happening to them. Because nowadays, you know, your cell phone rings, you just look and it tells you who it is or it tells you if it's spam or whatever. But back then, when you had a phone on the wall, you didn't always have a caller ID. You had to pay extra. Was it like 10 bucks extra a month? Mm-hmm. And they would send you like this little box that would uh, tell you who was calling on there and who called and all that stuff. So at the time, um, I guess we can credit for Scream for uh, giving us more access to caller ID. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't think my grandparents had it at the time. Really? No, I matter of fact, I would bet money that my grandparents did not have caller ID because they were fucking cheap. <laughs> I just remember thinking it was the coolest thing when they finally came out with uh, phones that had it on the phone. Mm-hmm. So you could look at the outside of the, of the, how would you even call that, the handset? Yeah, it would say it on like the, the screen. Yeah, because yeah. when my my grandparents got it, they had the little box mm-hmm. that you hooked up to your phone, and it would tell you the name. Yeah. You cycle through. Yeah, we had that for the longest time. Um, real quick, uh, in December of 96, uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America was released. Nice. Um, my fellow Americans had Jack Lemon and James Garner, which is a very underrated comedy. I fucking love that movie. I don't think... My fellow what? Americans, Actually, it's the, they're two presidents. They're former presidents. They get framed for a murder. It's kind I of may that, have seen that. Oh, dude, check it out, man. It's awesome. It's uh, kind of in that same vein as uh, Grumpy Old Men. They do the formula with like the two old guys kind of have a misadventure. They don't like each other. They kind of play off that formula. I fucking love it, though. Producer Adam, also a big fan of that movie as well. Nice. Uh, One Fine Day, a romantic comedy with Julia, or not Julia Roberts, but George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Scream came out then. Uh, let's see, Evita, the Madonna musical. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Michael with uh, John Travolta, he plays the angel. And the People versus Larry Flint. Oh, okay, so now I and see Jerry Maguire was out then too. Okay, so that makes sense that it finished fourth at first. Mm-hmm. Some big time movies came out around that time, right? Honestly, though, the only two that I really like, are, well, besides my fellow Americans, I do love Beavis and Butthead Do America and Scream, of course, because I'm doing a fucking podcast episode about it. So I obviously <laughs> like it a little bit. Please, just just a scotch, just touch. All right, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I appreciate that because I, you know, I asked you. I was wondering what came around at that time. Um, at one point when they were filming the opening scene, somebody forgot to unplug the phone, and I guess it was a real phone. So Drew Barrymore accidentally, you know, when she called nine one one on there, she was actually screaming to a real nine one one operator. <laughs> I wonder how that went. Yeah, I, I would love to hear that phone call. Um, ma'am, are you okay? <laughs> of course, she's Why? freaking out anyways because Wes Craven's got her all upset. Yeah, about animals. Yeah. Um, talking about the MPAA, um, 
they wanted to cut out the uh, the shot at when he when the killer catches Casey and stabs her in the chest. They wanted to cut that out, uh, but Wes Craven claimed it was the only take they had of it, mm-hmm. which was a lie. Um, so the shot remained intact, and they were still able to get the rated R. Wes Craven, you sly son of a bitch. <laughs> By the way, his his director name is the coolest thing ever. I wonder if that's his real name. Craven. I, I, think, I think it is. That's fucking sweet. Well, I, keep going, and I'll look it up. <clears throat> apparently, now that I'm looking at my notes, apparently I really didn't vary off of the uh, opening scene. So um, this one was just off the wall. Does, wasn't really that important, but... I found it kind of interesting. She insisted, Drew Barrymore insisted on shooting all of her scenes barefoot because she was only in the movie for a brief time. You know, it only took her five days to film. And uh, she hates wearing shoes. Oh, yeah. Don't we all? I actually like wearing shoes. I'm one of those weird people. I don't. I'd rather wear like a pair of like house slippers or something or nothing at all. Yeah, I don't know why I'm so weird. Maybe it's because, uh, maybe I just think my feet are just really fucking ugly. I know mine are. I always wear socks because I have gargoyle feet. <laughs> I seriously look like I can hang off of, like, I could sit on a perch to pawn, like, a church or, like, an old-time, like, building. And, like, I per- I could sit perfectly still on there. That's awesome. Just clutch, clutch like, uh, like a railing with my feet, and I'm set. <laughs> uh, actually, that, uh, by the way, Wes Craven, Wesley Earl Craven is his God-given name. That is a fucking sweet last it name. It is. It is a cool name. Um, I didn't have this written down, but I remembered it, and we were talking about it. Um, we had a we had a coworker named, and he was our supervisor at one point, named Eli Alt, mm-hmm. and uh, he looked just like. And why am I forgetting his name? Help me out here. Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Uh, Matthew Lillard in this movie, or Eli Alt, as I call him. <laughs> Um, would ad-lib little things in the movie just to make Wes Craven laugh. Mm-hmm. And Wes Craven left them in there because they made him laugh. Oh, that that's like, pretty cool. The uh, the scene towards the end where he's like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me after she tells him that she called the cops. Mm-hmm. He left that in there. That was ad-libbed just because it made him laugh. Yeah. Uh, may or may not be coming back to Matthew a little later on. Nice. That is uh, all the research I have for you. All right, good deal, good stuff, man. And like I said, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, like I've mentioned a couple times, to go check out tons of stuff out there for you to check out and read and listen to after you get done listening to our show, of course. So I, I just I listen to our show first, then go do extra research. Don't do vice versa because then they're just going to make us look worse than we already are. Um. The I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Lucas, I will uh, let you lead off. What is your nominee for the best scene of the movie? The opening 12 minutes of the movie. Yeah. The, uh, the Casey murder, Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it's, it's so fucking chilling because it just seems, you know, that's something that could happen. Yeah. You know, God forbid it does. I don't want anybody, you know, getting murdered ever. But, you know, it just seems like something that could actually happen. Somebody calls you outside your house. Some psycho tortures you with uh, a phone call game and then 
kills you and your boyfriend. Right. All while your mom listens on the phone too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the one I have too. Uh, I think when you think of this movie that the scenes, like snippets from this scene are usually what, at least for me, is what I think of when I first, like anybody mentioned Scream, I always think of this scene. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's just so iconic. And then the fact that they kind of hit you early with like, hey, we're going to kill off the, the girl on the poster. Because I think of the original movie poster, it just had like her eyes with like her, like I think she's holding like her uh, hand over her mouth. You just see her yeah. eyes. So, I mean, they're pretty much selling the, you on the, the fact that Drew Barrymore is the star of this movie. And at the time, like we said, you don't really expect them to kill off the lead. And the fact that they kill off Drew Barrymore in the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie pretty much tells you, like, hey, no one is safe in this. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about the poster, man, that, that threw me back to our old movie theater in town, Cinema 10. Mm-hmm. Was it, man, it might have been Cinema 7 then. Yeah, they didn't do the upgrade till shit, less than ten years ago, I think. So yeah, it was Cinema Seven. Then I just remember I remember that poster being on the wall on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's then, my favorite thing to go through and look at the posters on the outside of the movie theater. You know what? I'm glad I'm not the only person. I love doing that. Yeah, it's awesome. It, movie posters are like are a big seller for me mm-hmm. on a movie. Uh, there was a the other theater we had in town. They used to have a downstairs, mm-hmm. and I always used to make, like, I'd walk through, like, okay, what movie poster do they have featured down there? I'd always have to see yeah, what they I had. That. And plus, like, sometimes you'd see, like, a poster, and it's like, I didn't even know that was coming out. So hopefully I'll see a trailer for it at some point. And before the days of the internet where you could just, like, it's on Facebook within seconds of it being released, like, oh, hey, here's the new such and such trailer. Check it out. Yeah, and you know we we sound like old guys, but you kind of miss out on that that luster of discovering a movie on the outside of the movie theater that you had never heard of, and mm-hmm. the poster kind of gets you excited for like, oh, what is this? Because you you know you see Scream with with the eyes and her hand over her mouth, you're like, what what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, you have no idea, but it looks really cool. Right. I kind of miss the uh, like I, the internet has done a lot of good. It's also done a lot of bad. I think one of the things the internet has done that's kind of ruined some stuff is like movies in general are just not the same. Like, yeah, uh, take for example, spoiled uh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, like I can't tell you, like I had, uh, star Wars, uh, force awakens spoiled for me, like hours before seeing it in theaters for the first time we went opening night, the first showing, yeah, and it got spoiled for me just because some dickhead one to, that had seen it overseas spoiled it and just yeah stuff like that and like yeah scream that first twelve minutes that wouldn't that wouldn't be a thing here you yeah, know it'd be in like, today's society can you believe they killed her off that early in the movie and right thought she was a star yeah it's just like you said it's done a lot of good a lot of bad but it really has done a lot of bad on the movies like. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, Adam got, uh, a part of the new Spider-Man movie ruined for him just from the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, I've had, uh, I had bits of that movie ruined for me as well. So, yeah, we, I, I really do circling all the way back. I really do miss seeing those posters outside the movie mm-hmm. theaters. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you and I are pretty much in agreement that the opening sequence wins this. Uh, I do have an honorable mention, though. I really, really like Randy when he's, like, reading off the rules of a horror movie at the party. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, that seems like some shit I would have done when I was a 16 <laughs> or 17-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just love that. It's actually, the whole party scene, like, because like, it's a very long scene, but that actually would probably get an honorable mention as well because, like, the last 40 minutes of this movie are fucking fantastic, too. Some of it. I... You know our next category. I might, I might argue just a little bit with you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to fight back on that. So we're giving it to the opening scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's probably one of the easiest ones we've ever done. It definitely is because it's just, it's that f- opening scene is, mm. is just horror movie classic. Yeah, like the other thing I really like about it too is it, it seems like the tension slowly builds every time he calls her back. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of playfully flirting with her at first, and it's just like, nah, just some random dude. He gets a girl on the phone. He's going to flirt with her to see where this leads, and then, like, he kind of gets a little more aggressive. She hangs up again, and, like, all right, my intentions are clear. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Whew, man. What, and imagine <laughs> that roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. Also with this movie, too, I had completely forgot that in the original Friday the 13th that it was his mom that was the killer, not Jason Voorhees. Because when I seen it and he says who's the killer on Friday the 13th, like first thing popped in my head was Jason. Right. I was like, it's fucking Jason. And he says she was wrong. And I'm like, the fuck's going on here? And then like after he says it was his mom, like son of a bitch is right. He is. He wouldn't have let her live even if she got it right. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a game show I want to be a part of. No. All right. Actually, I think you would do really well. You would remember all that shit, and I would not. Well, it would still be one of those things where it would be pointless. I mean, the guys will fucking kill me whether I get it right or wrong, or I just don't want to be part of that game show. That's fair. Hey, it's like I signed up to be on Jeopardy, not on this fucking show, all right? (laughs) I took a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah, they told me to hang a left, and I'm on this set now. It's dark. (laughs) Just some dude with a creepy voice. I don't see anybody else around. <laughs> this sucks. Can I just get out of here? Um, the I Don't Like Sand, It's Coarse and Rough Award for the worst or most unnecessary scene of the movie. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. I particularly didn't have anything that I would nominate because I really just dig this movie. I think it's well-paced. A lot of the kills are really fun. So there's nothing I'd really cut out. I mean, I guess if I'm going to nitpick, maybe some of the the stuff between uh, Skeet Ulrich and Nev Campbell. Yeah. Like the scene where he, uh, like, hops and, like, he sneaks in her room that, that first time. I just, I could take it or leave it, but I just being nitpicky. I can see that. But, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily cut it out, but I don't have anything, but I know you do, so I'm going to let you tell me what you would cut out of this. I I'm seriously like, disappointed that you put this particular scene. I thought it was really cheesy, Tatum's death. Oh, see, now, like, that's my favorite kill in the movie. Oh, I just, I don't know what it was about it. It was just, and it was like, it took forever for that garage door to lift up. Well, too. it's also... Carrie not only 
you know, the door, but it's also carrying a human being. Rose McGowan is like five pounds and 22 pounds of like boobs. Yeah. In this movie. So did you notice that she was like, her nipples were poking out of her her shirt too in this? I noticed that last night. That's every horror movie, isn't it? Yeah. I just like, damn the, the, (laughs) the headlights are on. Oh, I'm sure Harvey Weinstein's creepy ass was like, let's turn down the heat and uh, have her wear no bra. Yeah. Yeah, that that surprises me that you don't like this. That's like one of my favorite kills in this movie is the fact that she gets pretty much crushed by the garage door. And I'd like to know who puts the dog door, and I've never seen that before in my life. Yeah, like, what is that, the dog curtain or whatever, that little flap? Yeah. I've never seen that before. It's always been on a door. Well, yeah, I was going to say my in-laws have have a doggy door in their garage, but it's on the door. It's not on the, yeah, I've never like seen it on a garage, garage door. door. And I, well, maybe, maybe that's why, uh, maybe that's why I put it as like the worst scene too. Uh, Who puts a damn dog door on, on the garage door? <laughs> I, I don't understand why when that garage door starts going up that she just didn't try to like pull herself out. Yeah. It was almost like, you know, it was like a fucking porn scene where they get stuck in the washer and step bro comes by and fucks her. Like that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. Like I love that 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 scene though. I, I just that's such a cool way to kill somebody. Just like, yep, she's trapped in the the garage door. And actually, it's like one of the scenes I look forward to the most. It's just because like it's such a fun way. And I mean, like horror movies are super exaggerated, anyways. Yeah. It's not not like you're watching like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Which, by the way, if you ever watch that movie. You're not going to fucking sleep for a couple days. It is fucking disturbing. Oh, wow. It just, it's, it's really unsettling. And it's, yeah, it's I, not my kind of horror movie, but the, the one part of that scene that I do like agree with you, um, I, I kind of had a chuckle is when he does hit the button, he just kind of sits there and, and he's like admiring his work. Just like, yeah, I mm-hmm. did that shit. It, almost like he's, uh, I don't even know, like, just laid back, chilling, like, yeah, look at me. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to think, though, who is, is it, was it Stu or was it Billy was the one that killed Tatum in the garage? I'm thinking, Uh, I've always thought it was Billy. Because isn't Stu watching the movie at the time? Um. Gosh, which, one of them was in the house with them. Yeah, Stu was watching the movie with everybody. You know, I actually saw something about this. If you wanted to, uh, I'll look it up. One of the actors commented and said it was them Mm -hmm. that was the killer in that scene. I will look that up. Yeah, I was trying to figure out who that was. Because I've always thought it was Billy because Stu is in there watching the movie with everybody. And he has her go get him a beer. That's the reason she's in the garage to begin with. Right. I've always thought it was him but then like i don't know there's sometimes where i would get a little confused by like well i wonder who that is is it billy or is it stew uh it looks like people believe it was billy okay all right well then i'm not the only stupid one then uh yeah, i mean yeah it had to have been yeah okay well i'll go with that i'll go with the public and uh it's- Consensus. Yeah. And I will give you 
the uh, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough award, even though I don't agree with it. Since you're the only one who had a nominee, then it wins by proxy. Yeah. You don't have to give me the award. You can go well, tell me to fuck myself because I. <laughs> All right, then I, go I put in a. Fuck off, then, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I will give it to that one since uh, you had a nominee. The King Kong ain't got shit of me award for the best line of the movie. And have we decided yet whether we're going to change this to the Dylan, you son of a bitch award for the best line of the movie? I don't know because I took another vacation, so it's hard to say. We hadn't really discussed it, but we can. Well, let's do I it would, now. We, I'm good with it. I would not it. hate it. Okay. I would not hate it at all. All right. Well, this is the last time this is the King Kong and Got Shit on Me Award. We're going to go with the Dylan, you son of a bitch award for the best line of the movie going forward. Dylan! Ain't got shit on me! You son of a bitch. And if um, any chance in, you know, lightning striking somebody twice chance in hell that Denzel ever hears this. We still love you. You're still one of our favorites. Yeah, you're still the man. Still the man. But uh, Dylan, you son of a bitch, just rolls off the tongue a little easier than King Kong and got shit on me. True. All right, so uh, for the last King Kong uh, award winner, uh, well, who is your nominee? Um, so it's at the beginning, the opening scene. Um, Killer asks, do you like scary movies? Mm-hmm. And he says, what's your favorite scary movie? I think that line, what's your favorite scary movie, I heard 8 million times in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one I had, too. It was such an iconic line. Either, either that or Hello, Sydney. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think either one of them would have to be the obvious choice. Although, for me personally, I always like the scene uh, at the party when uh, Randy's reading off the rules and Stu says, I'm going to go grab a beer. Anybody want anything? And he goes, or he asked if he wants a beer. He goes, yeah, I'll take one. He goes, I'll be right back. Oh, <laughs> that cracks me up every time I, I hear it. That would be my personal favorite, but I think it's got to be, do you like scary movies? Just because like you said, this thing had a nice little pop culture run for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, people still wear ghost face, um, Halloween costumes. Uh, yeah. My son, uh, who's 10 now, for, I was it was Halloween a couple of years ago. There's a, a notorious Halloween store here in the area called Foy's. It's in Fairborn, which is about 15, 20 minutes from where I live. And he wanted to spend some money in there, so he bought Freddy Krueger's glove and the ghost face mask. Whew. Boy, that's a mashup that you wouldn't want to encounter. Uh, no, I was so proud of him. <laughs> I, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because like, he, when we got in the car, he couldn't wait to open that stuff up and put it on. So, um, yeah, I think the, the ghost face, which still lives on today, still very popular. I see that costume at least once or twice every Halloween. Dude, I tell you what, back, so like I said, I was nine when this came out. Man, so when I would have been 10 the next Halloween, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that everybody had that costume. Mm-hmm. I mean, fucking everybody. <laughs> I guess they found that uh, too. Uh, while they were scouting locations, somebody, they found it at somebody's house. Yeah, and I had uh, the original name of it written down, and I deleted it for some reason. And I, there was a, It had an original name. It's actually not even Ghostface in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something else. Like, you can see the, the tag for it or something somewhere in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't remember the name of it either. Yeah, they uh, they had a. I think it's called. Are you talking about what they had like on the actual, uh, like when they found like the, the costume when they were like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what that was called. Yeah, I don't remember either. Ah, oh well. But uh, you know what? That's one of those things that you can look up after you listen to our episode. Like, hey, Lucas and Russ, they gave us a pretty cool uh, little thing to research. What was the name of that? We're going to tell them, and then they're, we're going to write them an email, and we're going to tell them like, how much better we are at research than they are. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And then maybe they'll ask me to start doing the research for them, which, hey, I'm totally cool with. That's less for me to do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's got to be, do you like scary movies? Like like you said, though, man, it just like that thing had a, a nice little run for a while. I think uh, maybe I'll bring it back at some point. Uh, Probably in the next movie, you think? They might. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, Mess with my kid, call him one day, just ask him that. Because he loves, he loves this movie. Does Star 67 still work? It does. It does, actually. Sweet. I, so, yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll try to bring it back. There you go. All right. Um, the McLovin Award for the Best Supporting Performance. I am McLovin. I'm curious to find out who you have. So, Lucas, I'll let you lead off. Who is your McLovin Award winner? Uh, mine's going to be a little different than what I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is actually Roger Jackson, who is the voice on the phone. Yeah. So he's not even really a character in this movie at all, besides being just the voice of Ghostface. Mm-hmm. And I, his voice was the catalyst for how scary this movie really was and the opening scene. And every time you heard that, kind of gave you chills because you're like, man, that is that's kind of an evil sounding voice even mm-hmm. you know even when he's flirting with Drew Barrymore it's like Ugh. hello Sydney yeah so that that is my nominee well did you know that that was actually supposed to be a placeholder like they were gonna I, do like another voice and just they used his voice just to like make sure that actors had something like to play off of and I guess apparently his voice was so awesome that they just kept it no I didn't know that. that's awesome though. yeah yeah, I uh, was listening to, I think I was listening to a podcast about this movie over the weekend just to kind of give myself some extra research. And yeah, they said something about, yeah, they just thought his voice was so awesome that they just kept it. Hmm. And well, I guess I'm glad they did. <laughs> and I guess Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell never met that guy. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I read that they they never met him uh, because they wanted like their reactions to be more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because imagine if he looks like fucking Santa Claus. <laughs> it's like, fuck, man, Santa Claus is, like, just flown off the deep end, and now he's a fucking murderer. Ho, 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 what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, you're going to fucking die. <laughs> I think that's Krampus. Yeah, that could be. Another horror movie, which is actually very underrated. Super cool movie from a couple years ago. I enjoyed it. It is. It's good. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good one. I thought about uh, using him. I also thought of Courtney Cox for my nominee because she's playing against type in this. Yeah. Because she's like, because she actually said she wanted the role because she wanted to play a bitch, essentially. 
Yeah, I, I saw that. I thought she was really good. Uh, but my nominee is Matthew Lillard as Stu. Like, he's just yeah. a little unhinged. And, like, when I first seen this movie, like, I thought for a brief minute, like, maybe this is the killer. But then, like, you see how charming he is. And it's like, yeah, he can't be. And then, like, the last 40 minutes of it, he is just fucking throwing 100 miles an hour. And after, like, basically him and Billy reveal themselves to be, like, the, the killers. And they're, like, stabbing each other. And he goes, I'm feeling a little woozy here. <laughs> and like you said, like, he was ad-libbing a bunch of stuff. And he's, like, he's the character that you think of, like, the most. And I think he was so good in this that when he's in anything – even if it's something I don't want to waste my time with, I will at least maybe consider watching it because, like, he he's in it. Like, oh, maybe maybe he's throwing another like screen performance at us. Because he didn't. He he, is. Go ahead. I I've only seen it once, and it was a long, long time ago. But isn't he in Thirteen Ghosts, kind of doing the same shtick to an extent? Uh, he's in maybe. the movie. I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of his performance in that been so long since i've seen it too which uh i know it's weird now because uh my wife watched the that show on nbc called good girls uh-huh. about the uh the housewives that end up becoming like bank robbers and they end up working for like a drug dealer and stuff well, not right. a drug dealer but like a gangster and he's the husband in that and he's like completely different than how he was in scream is he like more I've never seen it, but is he like more sensitive and more he just, sensible? Like, and... He's very, very toned down in that. Okay. He's kind of like a piece of shit husband who kind of cheats on his wife and kind of more career driven than family driven at the time. And yeah, I just hadn't seen him in anything in a while, and he pops up on that. He's well, what a what a real asshole cheating on right. his wife and shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he's like the the performer that like okay, like I identify the most with this movie. Him and Nev Campbell, mm-hmm. who I guess were dating at the time. Really? Yeah. Dude, Matthew Lillard, I guess, was apparently up for the role of Billy, but they didn't want uh, the two of them like since they were an item at the time, they didn't want them like making out and stuff on set, so they gave it to Skeet Ulrich and then Stu. Is played by Matthew Lillard after that, which That's turned weird, out like yeah, it turned out to be for the better. Yeah, I just think their reasoning like, oh, that's gross. These two are getting along really well. Let's keep Ooh, them apart. Cooties. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Matthew Lillard's so awesome in this, especially like the last forty minutes of the movie. Like, you don't ever want to think like a bunch of kids getting killed inside of somebody's house is like fun, but like that is, that is a roaring good time. Just it's so for a horror movie. That's a, that's what horror movies are about. Having fun. Yeah. And like, that's just a blast watching him like Skeet Ulrich. I could take him or leave him really, but yeah, Stu was awesome. So he's my nominee. Uh, I am very cool with, uh, having Shaggy win this. Fuck. That's right. He does play Shaggy. Modern See that, that Shaggy. that's a, that's one of the reasons why, uh, I was just going back to, like, I would give him a chance if he's in it, or the movie a chance because he's in it because back at the time when Scooby-Doo came out, I was probably, I think, 20, 21. But I guess who was in uh, a movie theater watching Scooby-Doo? This dude right here. 
Did Did you stay for the whole thing? Yeah, I did. Oof. Yeah. I didn't say the movie would be good. I just said I'd give it a chance because he's in it. <laughs> That's fair. All right, so we're giving it to Matthew Lillard. Yes, we are. All right, well, Matthew Lillard, if you listen to the show, congratulations on the McLovin. Bravo, bravo. Slow clap. I would do the thing, but I think I deleted that round of applause off my board at the time, so I'll put that back. Yeah. We'll have Adam throw it in there. All right. All right, good deal. Um, the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer you'd recast. Oh, there's nobody I'd really recast in this movie. No, I think I they, they nail it pretty well. well. Yeah. I'm a, like we talked about, I'm especially happy with Drew Barrymore being cast as Casey in this. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that she took the Casey role because, uh, be honest with you, I had a little bit of a crush on old Nev Campbell back during this era, so it was nice to see her in a movie too. Oh, yeah, I did too. Plus, I, I've considered uh, Sydney Prescott as like, she's kind of on the Mount Rushmore of like survivors in horror movies. She's right mm-hmm. up there with like Lori Stroud from uh, Halloween, and she's like, she's up there in that class of, of ladies. Girls just be living through shit. Living. Living through all kinds of shit. But, uh, yeah, there's nobody in this movie I'd recast. I mean, they they did such a good job casting this, so I can't really see see replacing anybody. Now, I wish, if I'm going to nitpick a little bit, I wish that they would maybe, they could have done some fine-tuning to uh, David Arquette's character, Dewey. Because I'm trying to figure out, if he's that fucking stupid, why is he a sheriff's deputy? <laughs> Like I don't, I don't get that dynamic at all. And then sometimes he plays Dewey like, you know, is there's something going on with Dewey that people don't know about? Like, like is he like Forrest Gump level? <laughs> well, I I think uh, I think Scary Movie nailed his character, uh, calling him Def- Deputy Doofy, mm-hmm. and how he's like, <laughs> there's a scene where he goes to answer the phone, and he's like fucking the vacuum. <laughs> And they're like, Doofy, we told you not to fuck the vacuum again. He's like, I was just cleaning my room. Uh, we talked about the ghost face mask uh, still aged really well. Things that didn't age so well, the portrayal of Dewey in the scary movie franchise. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, they could have fine-tuned that a little bit. I mean, I can understand him being like a dipstick, but you can do a dipstick without him being like, this dude even know how to fucking open a door? It reminds me of a line from a movie that is a little controversial that we probably won't ever do, but uh, Tropic Thunder. It reminds me of a line from that movie. Yeah. Although, he does have a very smooth pickup line when he's flirting with Gail Weathers, and she's talking about how her core demographic's 18 to 24, but uh-huh. he says he's 25, and then like after the conversation's done, he's walking up steps and he goes, you know what, Miss Weathers? I was 24 for an entire year. And like, oh, damn, he's got her now. That's, that's fucking smooth. Was it? Didn't he get married to her? Yeah, they were married for a little bit. Man. I don't oh, know man. if she was able to enjoy the brief run as the WCW world champion or not. Oh, God. I just remember that, was it like that triple cage where they had to fucking climb up and get to the top or whatever Yeah, they were doing the tie-in with uh, Ready to Rumble. 
Uh-huh. Which actually, that movie's fucking awful, but I love it. I don't know why. If I see it on TV, I'll sit and watch it. I don't know that I've ever watched the whole thing. I, I do. I'm... Like, Oliver Platt is, like, a white trash professional wrestler who is, like, somehow, like, the biggest star in WCW. Just, I don't know. It's Shit works for me, man. Like, I'll, I'll watch that shit any time of day if it's on TV. I'll watch a little bit of it. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, 2000s WCW was kind of anybody could be the fucking champion at the time. I know. I was hoping they would have given me a phone call. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll wrestle Diamond Dallas Page for the strap. <laughs> oh, man. Old DDP. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're pretty much in agreement. They wouldn't, there's nobody we'd recast. So we'll move on to the unsolved mysteries of the movie. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Do you have any? No, I think the one that we both had, or at least I think we were both thinking of, was who killed uh, Tatum in the garage. Actually, I've got I've got a couple. Oh, okay, let's um, let's hear them. Where are the fucking parents in this movie? Seriously, I mean Casey Becker's parents are—I don't know where they're coming back from. They're—I mean, granted, like I've been left alone before. At that age, I can totally understand that. But there's a serial killer loose in this town. And Sydney's dad decides to go to some expo. Which, yeah, I, I have an unsolved mystery for you, too. And it's probably going to be movie magic, but you go ahead. Yeah, like Sydney's, Sydney's dad goes to an expo. And I don't understand what expo is so fucking important that he couldn't like, hey, you know, I can't stay here. My daughter is left home alone, and it's the one-year anniversary of my wife getting brutally murdered. And there's a serial killer loose on my in our town. I'm sorry, I just send me what you got on these, like, you know. These well, f- well, he never made it to the expo. Remember? That's true. That's true. But I mean, like, I would have canceled the trip. I wouldn't have gone yeah. on the trip anyways, considering, like, what the date was. Right. I mean, it's well, not maybe like... Maybe that's how he deals with it. Uh, maybe. Like, I'm just going to... Man, you know, Marine's death just really getting to me. I I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I need to take my mind off some stuff. I think I'm going to go to the... I think I'm going to go to the Carnival Expo. <laughs> Sacramento need to see what's what the new carnival rides and games are this year or maybe I bought into that maybe he went to the AVN awards like the porno award show that they do I was gonna say to take his mind off maybe uh maybe you should watch videos where uh people get stuck in washers need help getting out somehow they automatically come out as soon as they get cummed on uh, maybe that's not his thing. Maybe he's in other stuff. I don't know. I've never really done a deep dive into what Sydney's dad is into. <laughs> I don't even. I barely. I honestly, like, I forgot. I've seen this movie numerous times. I completely forgot that they locked him in that closet. Yeah, it's just he's kind of a throwaway character. And was he locked in that closet the entire time? Like this shit's going on, or was it just something like he was in another? They had him in another spot, and then... Which uh, brings back the original question. Where the fuck are the parents? Right. And then, like, Stu's parents are nowhere to be found. Like, none of these... Like, if 
I lived in that town, there is no fucking way that my kids would have been going to some party. Like, oh, nope. Guess what? Dad rented the Ghostbusters 1 and 2. I've got pizza on the way. We're staying home. Well, apparently everybody in this town is a terrible parent. That sounds like it. Like, I I don't understand this at all. Like, you mean to tell me that every single... Like, every single parent in this town is gone, and the only adults are the ones at the school? Uh, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the other one that I have is I've always wondered, uh, what's school like for Sydney when she comes back? Oh, after... I mean, does after, she, like, does she go back right stuff? away? Or, like, they was like, you know what, Sydney, we're just going to go ahead and pass you this year. Just take some time off. Well, is the school even open? Because the fucking yeah. principal gets murdered in the school too. <laughs> in his office. Right. Like, um, God, that's a good – I'm sure they would shut the school down. Yeah. They Kids. probably got an early summer vacation there. Oh, yeah. And the fucking Fonz got murdered in his office. <laughs> Just stabbed several times. And, you know, that's a big deal because he didn't even want his name – on the fucking credits. It's like, man, this poor bastard didn't want to be fucking in, like, he didn't want to take the shine off the kids and he's dead. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I've always wondered that too. Like, how does school, because she has a junior at this point, because I know uh, Scream 2, she's in college. Maybe she's a senior. I don't know. I don't. I just watched this the other day, but I don't remember if they said or not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they do either. But hey, that's something else that uh, you guys and gals can look into later if you listen to this episode. Is what uh, what year of school are these kids in? I don't know. I don't know. I never really thought about it till just now. So, um, so here's my question for you: the right unsolved mystery. Do I remember correctly? Doesn't the dad say that he's going to this expo over the weekend and then they go to school like three days in a fucking row? Oh, damn. I didn't even pay attention to that, but I think he does. I remember like, he tells her that he left money on the table uh-huh. and he was staying at like a Hilton. Yeah, I thought he said that he would be gone for the weekend and then like they went to school the next three days or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what? Parents don't, like, stay with their kids half the time in the city. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're doing over there. Maybe they run some weird schedule where, like, kids go to school, like, Tuesday through Saturday or Wednesday <laughs> through Sunday, and then they're off. I don't know. I don't know how this shit works. But I'm just going to tell you it's movie magic. There we go. All right. <laughs> I was waiting on it. Um, the final category we have for this movie is the I'm the king of the world for who wins this movie. I'm the king of the world. So who wins this movie for you, dude? Uh, slasher horror films uh, mm-hmm. and horror films in general, really, because they weren't, they weren't dead per se. I mean, they were still coming out, but they weren't huge anymore. You know, in the 80s, slasher films were everything. Well, late 70s, you know, with Halloween, and then you moved to the 80s with uh, – Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff in the Jason movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this really, for better or worse, greenlit 
a ton of like teenage horror comedy horrors, all that stuff from the nineties, basically until really the pandemic kind of killed any chance of us having kind of smaller horror movies per se, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, they're not going to spend a whole ton of money on horror movies anymore. Well, actually, horror movies were actually fairly profitable, like when movie theaters were shut down. Were they? Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, there wasn't a lot coming out at the time, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, well, they're, they're so so cheap to make that studios weren't really losing anything. I will take your thought one step further. Um, I was thinking of this when you sent me your notes earlier. Uh-huh. that I think not only did Scream kind of kick off the the teen horror movie, mm-hmm. it seemed to be like kind of like it jump-started the, uh, the teen movie renaissance that we had in the late 90s too. Because if you yeah. noticed that there wasn't a lot of teen movies that were coming out, then all of a sudden you had, uh, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is a horror movie, but then you also had stuff like She's All That, 10 Things I Hate About You, you know, all these teen comedies and teen movies coming out too. So I kind of think that kickstarted that movement as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, I mean, when's the last time you've seen a teen movie? Like, it takes place where kids are in school. You know, it takes place, like, in a high school setting. You don't see that in the movies anymore. It seems to be more, like, TV show. Yeah, we almost need to have another renaissance of teenage. And even the new the new scream, you know, even though they have one of the young, you know, that younger actress in it, they still have all the older, you know, so it's not even a teenage slasher flick anymore mm-hmm. with the newer one. Yeah. So, I was yeah, looking you, at that. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it just, it like, I don't know why that triggered me to look into that, but I was like, man, like I remember like this onslaught of teen movies coming out too. American Pie. Yeah, American series. Pie. They did uh, Can't Hardly Wait. All that shit came out around that time, too. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that is who wins the movie for me. That is a good one. I actually, I was thinking about that as well. Uh, it seemed like it reinvigorated the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Because essentially horror movies were kind of relegated to like Friday the 13th Part 7, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street 6. You know, Halloween, you know, five. It's like these really shitty sequels or just really not much of anything. And then, like, Scream comes out and it just kickstarts this whole horror movie renaissance. Um, but for me, I think Wes Craven wins this. Okay. And I gave it to him because, uh, well, for one thing, it seems like I've always considered the three biggest eras of horror movies to be, like, the 70s when you got, like, the ultra-gritty, realistic style of horror movies, like, you know, like, The Hills Have Eyes, which which Wes Wes Craven did. Then you got, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that whole collection of movies. Then you had the slasher stuff from the 80s, which Uh Wes Craven was a part of with Nightmare on Elm Street. And then he caps it off with Scream, which kickstarts this whole new, where movies become more self-aware. And then, of course, you know, we were just talking, you know, kickstarted the horror movie renaissance that kind of went on for a few years. But I think with Scream, it kind of put Wes Craven, like, he's firmly in the horror movie Mount Rushmore now. I think, like, it's it's him, Carpenter, I'd say Toby Hooper, who did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He did uh, Poltergeist as well. Just those two oh, movies yeah. alone. 
And I, I don't know who I'd put as the fourth. I'd have to sit and really think about it. But, I mean, Wes Craven definitely belongs on that. Yeah, I agree with that. Plus, he was able to use this. He, uh, I know I had read that he had done, like, he had been wanting to make, like, a non-horror movie for a long time. And, like, he was able to parlay this. And like, he said, okay, I'll do Scream 2. I'll do Scream 3. But I want to do this movie. And he did, uh, fuck, what was the name of it? Meryl Streep is a music teacher. It's kind of like the female version of uh, Mr. Holland's opus without all the creepy uh, uh, teacher attracted to the student stuff. Uh, music of the Heart? That's it. That's it. Yeah. And then Meryl Streep got an Oscar nomination for that. I, I'd never seen it, and that wasn't really my wheelhouse, but the fact that he was able to parlay the Scream stuff into that, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And... Oh, was you getting ready to say something? Yeah, I think, and I think he really needed this movie too, because he just come off of um, Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, that's right, he did do that one, didn't he? Yeah, which was not very. I mean, it's it's not horrible. That's the Eddie not, Murphy vampire comedy. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't it's, like it's that. It's not one. very good. So I think he really needed this. I think it really rejuvenated him too right well and two like horror directors really they don't have it's like they seem to have a shorter shelf life yeah I mean like Carpenter was able to like he was able to branch out and do like sci-fi stuff too so I mean it kind of kept him fresh but like even Toby Hooper like he had Texas Chainsaw Massacre he didn't get another crack at anything good till uh, Poltergeist but I mean, like, Which, that's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, movie poster kind of creeps me out a little bit. We were talking about those earlier, just yeah. caroling in front of the TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the fact that he was able to, you know, kind of stuck doing like Vampire in Brooklyn. He did come back and do uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is a kind of an original take on Freddy Krueger, which is an awesome movie. It's actually. It's my favorite of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Which I haven't seen that in a I've seen it, but it's been forever. And I guess it was kind of along the same vein as Scream, kind of self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it basically yeah, it, it brought Freddy Krueger into the real world, which is like, it's almost like he kind of took like the what, the new Nightmare experience and like, it's almost like, it's almost like Kevin Williamson was kind of inspired by that a little bit. So it yeah, kind of makes which, you wonder if, like, Wes Craven had anything to do with kind of giving, you know, like, the self-awareness to scream a little bit. Right. But, yeah, I would say I would give it to him. Like, you said, yeah, that's a good point, too. He was able to kind of parlay this and extend his career. And he was able to make a movie outside of the normal stuff that he had been accustomed to doing, too. So for him, I think he wins it. So who who we want to give it to? Do you want to give it to? Well, I'm gonna I mean, they kind of. They kind of give it go hand in hand, really, because of him. You know, the horror genre was revitalized, mm-hmm. and you know, the teen movies were a big deal. Which some of those teen movies, a lot of that stuff, that was about the age when I was getting close to high school. So a lot of that stuff is like my high school years watching too. So oh yeah, there's a lot of the good teen movie stuff. Like I really like Ten Things I Hate About You. I thought that was a really good one. It's a uh, good movie. I, I've told you time and time again, I will ride 
or die for can't hardly wait. I fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point too. I mean, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. We'll just call it a tie. Yeah. Well, or, I mean, it's, mine is kind of like a subcategory of yours. So it's, it's really a Wes Craven that wins. Okay. We'll give it to Wes Craven since it's mine then. <laughs> it's mine. I win. It's mine. All mine. And plus you were off last week too. So that's true. All right. All right. Well, Hey, uh, good stuff, man. I'm glad to have you back. I'm excited to be back. Um, looking forward to, you know, not missing again for hopefully a while. Yeah. At least a couple weeks. And <laughs> something else will come up. Uh, oh, I'm is, sure. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? Um, well, we did find out earlier that Bob Saget passed away, uh, which is very sad. Uh, it's America's dad. Uh, you know, growing up in the nineties, well, that show started in the late eighties, but you know, growing up in the nineties, I think everybody watched full house. Mm -hmm. Everybody recognized him from that in America's funniest home videos. It's very sad. Uh, Betty white passing away sucks too. Yeah. It's, uh, the new year. Well, actually the end of, uh, last year into this year between, uh, John Madden, Betty white. Now Bob Saget hasn't, Hasn't been the greatest year, but still way early. A lot of good things could come up, so I'm trying to keep a, an upbeat attitude. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to bring it down. I just uh, but you did. Uh, we, <laughs> I appreciate their work. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that we got to witness their work. That's true. Very true. Um, is there anything you want to add to Scream, or you want to say something else? Bring the rest of uh, the audience down today. <laughs> well, no, no, I. Yeah, my my parakeet's got cancer of the wing. <laughs> I'm excited to check out the new one. I hope it's. I'm really hoping it's good. Yeah, I hope so too. I, I've heard a lot of early uh, buzz. It's actually uh, pretty good. I my son actually wants to see it too, which I I'm, I don't know. Like, do I want to take my son, my ten year old son, to a horror movie? But uh, he has watched. He's watched some stuff. That he probably shouldn't <laughs> at age ten, but I'm sure he can handle it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be all right. So, yeah, I'm hoping it, the new scream is good as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, get to check that out this weekend. So, well, uh, Lucas, like I said, it's awesome having you back, man, and uh, we will talk at you guys later. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much once again for tuning in and listening to us. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes, which includes next Tuesday. Lucas and I are finally going to do Edge of Tomorrow, which stars Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Em and I have been kind of circling this one for a little while, and we finally come to a set date to where we can both do it. So that ought to be good. So until next Tuesday, we will talk at you guys later. Bye, everybody.